<laughs> so, so uh, today, uh, it's, today we have sort of an unusual setup. And basically, the reason I wanted to do is to do this particular thing. We're going to have like a panel of experts. Okay, no pressure on the experts. A panel of experts, and the idea is to uh, uh, talk this through together as a community with all kinds of stories, examples, insights. Um, and the reason why I wanted to this particular one in this format is because, uh, because it's about finding your place in community, right? Um, about finding your place in community. So I'm going to read a scripture real quick and set it up. Now, most of the scriptures we'll read today are from Roman. If you're an expert on the panel, just come down and have a seat. Um, um, are from, I'm from the book of Romans. Now, the book of Romans is very interesting because Obviously, Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote the letters, he is sort of uh, addressing a specific uh, context, cultural context, which is Rome. And Rome was very much sort of almost like the precursor of the modern big city, uh, you know, the metropolis, right? So it's cosmopolitan, it's sort of imperial, there's all kinds of layers and people there. It's segregated socioeconomically. Uh, it's very, very political. Does that sound familiar to you? Um, and basically, this, the, the, the letter of Romans is addressing a church in Rome, and it's basically telling them, hey, guys, you live in this, this monster of a city, and your, who you are will redefine how you collaborate, how you integrate, how you interact with each other uh, in the long run. So I'll read this one scripture and I'll, I'll introduce sort of our panel. Uh, it says in uh, Romans 12, 2, it's a, it's a very famous verse and it says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, this scripture gets quoted all the time because it's awesome, first of all, right? Because it basically says, the way you think will define the way you operate. But what we forget oftentimes is that this scripture is given to us, uh, connected to something else. So it's, it's, a, it's a preamble to something else. And the preamble of the scripture, uh, the scripture is a preamble to talking about community, how you interact with each other. And it's fascinating because you, Romans 12 talks about community, 1 Corinthians 12 also talks about community, Romans 13 talks about love, Roman, uh, 1 Corinthians 13 talks about love. It's fascinating how that works, right? Um, and basically what, what we are, unpacking here is this. Uh, this this awesome scripture that inspires us all think, change your thinking and, cha and you will find God's will but the context is this you can change your thinking on how you interact with community and you will find God's will only in community that's the depth of it right so we'll unpack that um, in a second in, um, so what I'll do is I'll read a scripture and I'll ask a question to our panel of experts that's how we'll do it. Okay. Um, Romans 12, verses 3 to 5. So that's the next verse after the one that I read. It says, for by, my, for by grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each one of you. For just as each one of us has one, uh, each one of us has one body with many members. These members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we though many form one body, and each member belongs to all of the others. So obviously, the church is a living organism. Each member is there uniquely to do something very specific. And the main barrier in this particular scripture to finding your place in community is pride. Right? That's how he starts. He basically says, please don't think of yourself higher than you ought to. And then look around and see how you fit in. So, basically the format is this. It's very free-flowing. The spirit is going to move. We have no idea what people here are going to say. Uh, it's going to be crazy. Um, but we have a really nice uh, uh, sort of uh, representation here, right? Uh, age, gender, whatever, cultural context. So, basically my question to you... Uh, the esteemed panel of experts <laughs> is tell us very specifically, very practically, how does that how does that look like? How do we find our place in a community? Why is that awesome? And what tell us a story or example of how to overcome 
thinking of yourself more, more highly than you ought to. We need more mics, by the way. Okay, when, and we can grab one more there. Uh -huh. Okay, so anyone want to go first? This is the most, sure, the, best, I, the best part of the whole thing. When he, was, when he was mentioning the age thing, yeah, the age was me. Um, <laughs> I represent right now. The, um, I, I don't know, as, as I get older, I, there's a cumulative effect of the things you've done wrong. Does anybody ever feel that? Like you have something you did 20 years ago and someone's reminding you of that again and again. So um, I think on, on the subject of community and engaging with that and understanding who I am in relation to the community, um, you know, a, a good story, and I, I talked to my wife, of course, about the stuff beforehand. She, I go, well, you know, I think, I think probably one of the best things for me to talk about is the shortcoming on pride related to um, how I reveal that, which is my impatience with others. Anybody else relate to that one? Yeah, yeah. I don't care whether that's on the, on the street or in your home. It, it's everywhere. And um, uh, what I realize is that um, the community is a key part of me being able to not be impatient. Okay, that may sound weird, but I actually don't recognize when I'm being impatient. I don't recognize when I'm being prideful or selfish or self-focused all the time. And so what it, this is the hardest thing. It's when you invite other people into your life that that gets revealed. Does that make sense? And so a real practical example for mine, which is, you know, as I said, impatience. Um, boy, I was, I was really ticked off at someone this week. And um, I finally said, well, Terry, here's what, here's what I like to say. Terry's my wife. She's not who I was ticked off at. Um, <laughs> And, I, and, and of course, the way I came across was, well, you did this, well, you did this, well, you did this. You know, that was gonna be, uh, the form of my interaction, my impatience, my nothing about me. It was all about that person and what they did. And she goes, well, you know, <laughs> you might want to think about saying it this way, which is, there must be something going on. How are you? What's going on in your life that I can, you know, that, and then allowing the conversation to happen, whether it comes up with me being, you know, mean or uglier towards them, but more about the community and allowing people, allowing me to do it the right way. But that would not have happened if I hadn't initiated that conversation with my bride or my friend or my community. And I think that's for us to go forward in life, to be more productive, to be better, closer to God, he absolutely knew what he was doing when he created this whole group of us to be in each other's lives. So, there you go. Awesome, thank you. Perfect. Can we give him a hand? Yeah, 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 we can, we can approve. We can approve. Feed my pride, feed it. Feed it. Feed it. <laughs> I'm kidding. All right, anyone else? Any I, insights? I actually, I have a, a story to share on this in terms of keeping a sober judgment of yourself. And it, what, I was reminded of actually was back in high school. I, I became a disciple or a Christian back when I was 15 or 16. And I remember um, I grew up in Maryland, in DC. And so I had my crew there. Like we all were kind of the same place, I would say economic <laughs> income wise, right? We all took the bus, we all took the train. That was normal there. No one had their own car. Um, we all had to work and hop on the bus to get to all teen events, everything. And that was my norm. But then I moved to Texas, in Dallas in particular, and it was a cultural clash from what I was used to. And I came into a ministry where all the teens had cars that were bought by their parents. <laughs> and I remember, I was like, what is, where am I? Like, what is going on in this city? What is going on in this church? And it was actually funny because it brought out a pride in me where I felt like, oh, I can't, I cannot relate to these guys at all. Like, they don't understand, they don't get it. And my sister at the time, I was a senior in high school, and my sister at the time was pregnant, and my parents were like struggling just to put groceries in the refrigerator. And my best friend at the time came up and was like, look, my mom just got me this. And it was, what played music that I, it was an iPod touch, was, yes, whatever it was that played music. 
And she was, was like, the look. IPod. The first one was iPod. Is that what the it was? White one yes. With a little wheel. Yes, that's what it was. And I was like, in my head, I was feeling this like turmoil because I'm like, they don't understand. They don't get it. And I, it, my pride wanted me to put up this wall. Like, you don't get me. You don't you don't understand my family you don't understand all these things but i had to remember if i wanted to build community i had to push through these barriers and i had to give grace and i had to be humble because really i was kind of twisting it like these it's their fault but really it was my own pride that was keeping me from from engaging and I think that's something that when I think of community is really trying to push through barriers and making sure that we're not hiding our pride in other things, but we're acknowledging it for what it is. Um, but that made all the difference. And I still love my teen ministry. From so that. how do you address, so practical question to you, yes. right? So you, you, you come into a new community and, the, and this is actually for everybody, right? You could have been here for a while and then things shift because it's a living organism, mm -hmm. right? Small groups change, whatever. People move away, people move in or you're coming in from the general sort of a, a sort of broadly Christian context or non-Christian context to a new community where you're just visiting, you have no idea. So you have these, this internal thing, like you guys don't get me at all. What are, the, what are some practicals to overcoming that and sort of accelerating, in, integrating into community? Yeah, I, I think if I were to just think of something off the top of my head, I would say just pushing to engage like I think I had to because my tendency was oh I'm just gonna retract and I'll just call my old people and I'm not gonna set up time I'm not going to go after this phone call or this hangout or you know whatever but I really had to push through that and I think that would be my practical is just when there is someone where you're like mm. Lean into it. Yes, right? lean in because you never know what's going to happen. And the girl that got her iPad, iPod, iPod. <laughs> like they're great friends of ours to this day. And we still keep up with them like once or twice a year and their kids. And it's awesome. But if I had ran away, then I wouldn't have known that. Wonderful. Thank you. Oliver? Yeah, I would say, I think for me, like, can I follow up on what you asked too? Um, for me, one of the, a great practical that's really done me a really great service is uh, is kind of embracing that I don't. There's a lot of things I'm going to have to learn. There's a lot of things that, like with Christianity, it's so new, and uh, my experiences. It's easy to import a lot of like hurts and wounds and insecurities, and I think pride too. Like insecurity and pride are two halves of the same coin. And one of the verses I really cling to is uh, Revelations 4, verse 8. And it talks about like how John is seeing this vision and there's these seraphim and they cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, O God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And I really love that verse because um, the idea of holiness isn't just like God's perfect and he's, you know, neat and organized, but he's different. He's unlike what we've seen before. And what that last bit in that line, who was and is and is to come, God is different than what I've experienced, I am experiencing, or I will ever experience. And there's just that kind of like, that just, you can't, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't track, but we kind of have to go along with like, there's a lot of things that in my life, I'm st it's a journey of understanding of how, how things work and how I see myself. Um, but for me, in particular, I would say the insecurity part of pride has been a big part of, of my walk. And there's this question of not like, am I better than someone else? Or, you know, might stack myself up at times, but do I belong? You know, am I good enough to kind of fit in to this community? And I think for me, that's been such a big um, work in my life where I've had to really, God, the spirit keeps leading me back into you know, Oliver, you are good enough to serve. You are good enough to lead. You know, and, and I think sometimes too, it's like there are times though too where we all have like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good compared to brother so-and-so or this sister or whatever. But I think more often than not, I find this deep sense of insecurity that comes from a lot of things that, like from abandonment issues and just issues with relationships that I think it wasn't really until I became a disciple that brothers and sisters started pointing out 
and truths of like trying to pull me up from the pit and pull me up from my self-destructive habits that I feel like I'm only now starting to listen and lean into those. But it's not necessarily because I've had to like rethink like my own talents, but like my own worth. I think that's probably a big thing, but uh, yeah. Thanks for pointing that out. Uh, I really appreciate it. And, and thank you for being vulnerable, right? Because the fascinating thing about pride and thinking of yourself more highly is actually rooted in deep insecurity. Like the, that's the sort of the paradox of it all, right? So if you think of yourself more highly, it's because you're comparing. If you're comparing, it's because you want to feel better about who you are. If you want to feel better about who you are, it means that you don't feel good about where who you are in the first place. Uh, and then, but but scripture and the Bible and this new community um, that comes from God and from Jesus invites us to not compare. Invites us to abandon comparison. Uh, socioeconomic sort of scale. We'll come back to that a little bit later. Let me move on to this one, uh, to the next few verses here, and we'll hear from more people. In um, verses 6 to 8, it says this, we have different gifts according to the grace given to, to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So, uh, so I want you to look at somebody, somebody next to you, look at somebody, just pick a face next to you, and say to that person, you have no competition. <laughs> say, say to the next person on the other side, you have no competition. Well, the, the reason I tell you this is because the whole point the whole point, the, the blueprint of the church is no competition. It's no competition. And you are here because of, of the will of God to offer unique value to you that only you can bring. No one else can be like you. And how amazing is that? So let's, let's discuss that a bit more. Any, any insights? Yeah, actually, I, um, I wanted to kind of... Uh, we touched on this in small group the other night, but um, uh, over the weekend, we had the, the ladies retreat last weekend, and um, we touched on, um, you know, just dissatisfaction with the way we look and the way we are, or, you know, we're not enough, and, you know, we maybe have um, some insecurities, um, and I think that sometimes we forget the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And I think we forget as yourself a lot. And we focus on the community and we can only pour out how much we have and we can only pour out what we have. So if we don't have self-love and we don't have self-worth, um, can't really pour that out to others. <clears throat> and so, um, you know, taking time every day to read the Bible, meditate, journal, just be quiet to kind of fill you, fill yourself up, fill up your, your font so that you can pour the love out to your community um, is, is super important, you know, because I think we forget um, that part of the, <laughs> the commandment is to, you know, love yourself as well. So how does that relate to fitting in with your gifts, like finding your gifts? So say you love yourself, you have mm -hmm. some perhaps deficiencies there and you need to be sort of encouraged, right? Right. Or, sure. or, or by, by God, the Holy Spirit, by people. Yeah. The giftedness, right? Mm -hmm. That specific thing that it talks, uh, that uh, Paul talks about here. Mm -hmm. How do you find yourself? And I, I want to ask you specifically, mm -hmm. because Kelly here um, is a tech guru. <laughs> not, she's not, not a tech really. guru. <laughs> not really. So and yet, I would, if you if you see her, she's working our computer slides and, very and often. This is how this, did that happen? Okay, yeah. Um, so Teresa got wrangled into it, and I could see that. Voluntold, voluntold, <laughs> right? And I could see her her getting a little bit more stressed about it, and I thought, well, you know, I'll just jump in and help. And this is kind of the one body, many parts, yeah. because when you show up here on Sunday morning, it's like an ant hill. I mean, there's people everywhere, but, and it seems kind of crazy, but I, I do my thing, you know, I do, I hook up the TV and the monitor and, 
and Teresa does the slides and they're doing music and we've got the sign language and the video. I mean, it's, it, it, and it's like not a lot of work for me. I mean, because we're all working together to, you know, one, you know, to get this all going on so Sunday mornings. Of, but the, the cool thing about what you did mm -hmm. and Teresa did is that you stepped into mm -hmm. a, a specific value that right. you had. Mm -hmm. But it's not your natural giftedness. No, and, your it, and I could have said... Your giftedness is being willing to. Right, service. Right? And, and you know, I could have said that I'm 40, 54 years old. I, I'm not going to do that. That's for the young people. You know? Exactly. So it's kind of where the pride has to move aside, and you just got to jump in and do what you can do, where you can do it, when you amazing. can do it. <laughs> that was amazing. Thank you. Thank you. That was great. Awesome. Um, I think uh, uh, for myself, I, um, I know this may be hard to believe anybody that knows me, um, but um, I'm not really an outgoing person. No, really, I'm not. And um, That is hard to believe, actually. You're right. You're a very giving, generous guy. Yeah. And um, it is one of those things as in your pride and in your insecurity, I'm always thinking of Christianity as a working document. There's standards that we follow and standards that we go through, but we're as humans, as, as people, as people that walk with God, we're always a working document, something that we're trying to achieve and something to get to, uh, something to strive to be, and that's like Jesus. And we're not gonna always hit the mark. And understanding that is very difficult for me because I'm a perfectionist. And I like to hit as high as possible all the time. And in doing that, there's discouragement. There's um, sometimes um, there's a 9.5 out of a 10 in my effort. And then I think about the 0.5 that I missed as opposed to the 9.5 that maybe someone may see. And for me, what happens um, in my kind of walk, in my heart, and, and the way that I think is that I want to contribute to community um, something that maybe somebody else doesn't want to do. I want to contribute to community something that someone's not willing to do, like I don't want to do that. I don't want to be involved in that. That's what I want to do. I want to be the first to stand up to do that. Um, and to give at that and to be excellent at that. But the thing about that is that sometimes the biggest obstacle I have is myself. And that's where the pride and the insecurity comes in because even though I think I'm giving, I can always be negative. And my wife helps me a lot with this um, in, in helping me understand that you know, you're doing the best you can, you're taking your best step forward, and this is how you're giving to community. And for me, my message is, if you want to give to community, for me, the biggest part is just taking a step out there and trying. And so much, so much of it is just making an effort and falling on your face. Um, I, I usher every single week and I love it. I love to give to everybody. I know every single person in this room yeah. when they walk in. Yeah. I say hi to you. I know your name. I give you a hug. My wife and I enjoy doing it because it's not like one of these uh, service teams that people are like, hey, DeWitt, can I, can I go out and usher? Can I come to, it's not an exciting, like, like people don't come up to you and say, hey, I wanna do this, I wanna do this. But I love it because I love it because I can give in a way that is my gift. Wow, I can give awesome. in a way that follows in my personality. And everybody out here has that, and the biggest part is you have to take a, put your foot in the water. It's gonna be a little cold, it might not feel right, but you gotta put yourself out there and that's the best way to get there, so. Thank you, DeWitt, that's awesome. Good job. Yeah, and if I, can I just quickly touch on the first one? Um, so a brief story, so me and my wife moved about a year and a half ago to Austin and in terms of the pride, the draw that at least I felt and I think also both of us felt was this idea that we can, we don't need community. Like we will be fine on our own. And that was the, that was the draw, especially Christian, you often talk about like our, our Western thinking, like our Greek individualism. And that was what the world was telling us was, maybe it's a man thing too, but 
I think it's both, it is, yeah. is that you don't, you actually don't need help. Like you're okay. You, and if you need help, figure out how to do it on your own. Um, fix it yourself. Watch a YouTube video. You know? Yeah, YouTube it, things like that. <laughs> and that was a draw and we had to really, really fight to, like where do we lean into the community? How do we invest in it? And I think it's both ways. It's how do we ask for help from the community, but also how do we invest in it? So on this scripture, I, I read this one and it's so easy for me to get caught up in each specific word. Like, okay, is it serving? Is it teaching? And I kind of, I can lose sight of the spirit of the scripture where it's talking about each one of these is giving to someone else or giving to a group of people. Um, and kind of like what you were saying to it, where it's maybe the first thing I can do is just ask like, where can I help? Like, what can I do? How can I give? How do I lose some of self and give to somebody else? Um, and that has been, that's been really transformative for us in our, in our move here. And by the way, so obviously you see uh, Dan playing keyboards, right? So you use yeah. your gift very specifically. But I think the yeah. spirit of it, as you, as you, as you, as you yeah. say, um, and the funny thing about the, the gifts, even if you find, if, you, if it's more obvious, let's say you play the keyboards and you want to be in the band, that is still not easy, right? Not because you can't, you know, it's hard to play keyboards, because this is a volunteer organization. Right, uh, Deb actually yesterday we were driving and she reminded me. She goes, "Remember you didn't want to be a worship leader?" I'm like, "No, I don't remember that." And she goes, "Yeah, you used to tell people, no, I'm a solo artist. I'm a I'm, I'm a I'm a professional musician and I'm a solo artist. This is like an amateur sort of situation, and you had this aversion." It's true, it's true. And, and she was like, you had this aversion to it until, you know, and, and you got some help and everything. And I'm like, no, I don't remember that. I was sort of a little offended by it, but, but the truth, the more I thought about it, I was like, I think yes, actually. I think I remember, um, um, you know, thinking that. And, um, but, but, but it's actually a legitimate thing. It's not just pride. It's, look, if, you're, if you are a professional at something and you join an amateur effort of that something, it's going to be a struggle. It really is. And really, just like Dan said, is that the core of it is not that you can do something well. The core is that you're giving to somebody else. They're just selflessly engaging in something that is imperfect in, in all kinds of different ways, right? Okay, so let's move on to this next scripture. In uh, verses 9 to 16, uh, Paul leans into it a little bit more, and he basically says, he, he's sort of explaining to us that there's more to finding a place more to overcome, right? And, the, and, the, and that, that more is the human condition and the human drama that we're all surrounded by and we are in it ourselves. Here's what it says. Love but must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God, Lord's people who are, who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to so associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. So he sort of comes back to the not be conceited. But I think the essence of this is this, is that all of us are going through things all the time. So how do you operate in community, in harmony, in joy and love, if all of us are going through things all the time? And what the answer here is he's basically saying overcome, replace this with this, overcome this with this. So if you, wanna, if you want to overcome passivity, which is how we, how we handle stress usually, we contract, you overcome that with zeal in community, right? Um, if you are hopeful but not there, you overcome that with joy. If you um, have afflictions, you overcome that with patience. If you have conflict, you overcome that with blessings. If you have, um, if you have your mourning or somebody else's mourning, you mourn with them. Um, so he's describing this beautiful picture of how do we handle each other's journeys where all, there's not one person in this room who is 10 out of 10 every single day of, of the week. It's, it just doesn't exist. And yet we're called to come together in the midst of that and overcome. So can we, can we discuss that a little bit? I, I can share quickly. Um, I, was, I was just thinking as we were talking, I think, at least for myself, one of the keys might be compassion. 
So the scripture talks about like, mourning with people and uh, a struggle I have is putting my, or can have, is putting myself in someone else's shoes. So if someone's dealing with something that I may, ne- may never have de- dealt with or I may never have experienced, it's so difficult to then give to that person with specifically what they need. However, if I maybe take a second and leave myself, step outside of my own experience, put myself in someone else's experience, um, suddenly it's so much easier to meet them with what need they need and not even what need I think they need, but I can ask the questions like, okay, what, what actually do you need? What would be helpful for you in this time? Um, maybe it's to an individual or a group, but I think that's the key is if I step outside of myself, have just the smallest amount of compassion, it suddenly becomes way easier uh, to do that. Awesome. Thank you. First of all, I want to say that DeWitt is a 9.5 out of 10, so he's close. I am his friend. I, you know, I, I look at this as this is the, the, the interesting side of understanding. I like kind of take yourself out of it. I think that's a great way of thinking about it um, because the world is around us and saying all these things. And you look up there and it's kind of then God is the opposite of that. I mean, even the first part of that, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. I'm like, you know, the world's telling you the opposite, right? In some cases, well, the fun is if the, you know, the evil stuff, that's the fun stuff. And here's the, uh, not some, you know, here's the opposite. And um, I think if you can take yourself out of it and recognize your situation um, and do the opposite, this is the interesting thing. This is the game and chip side of it. It's like when you get on the road, you don't cut the person off. You actually let them in, right? You practice things that are the opposite, an action that's opposite of what the world is saying. Um, you know, with a friend that's, that's complaining, it's so easy to start complaining also. Well, wait a minute. Okay, let me take the opposite side of that. How do you encourage? I mean, I think these verses here, it's just like they're each one a jam-packed verse yeah. that you can look at and go, oh, man, there's something else here I could be doing. And every one of those, I think, is a great point, Christian. They're kind of the opposite of what the world is telling us to do. So pick one. I mean, don't pick them all. Pick one, you know, this week and say, okay, what? There's a cool one, you know, uh, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Well, who do I really understand is in need out there? You know, that's not my normal way of thinking. My normal way of thinking is, what do I need this week? So, right? You know what I'm saying? You pick one of those, and it's just so opposite and crazy different. Um, how are uh, how does that fit in? I'm curious, and it's not necessarily you. Anybody can answer this. Um, with with our tendency to sort of put put ourselves in a bucket, right? Like, and I think that's it. Sort of alludes to that the, the verse previous to that says, uh, "Be be willing to associate people in, with lower status," like very specifically, right? And the church is known for this place, for this egalitarian place of everybody's a brother and sister. There's no Jew or Gentile. There's no woman or man. There's no slave or free person, um, and that's part of the part of the wealth of the blessing of the church is leaning into unco- places that you normally wouldn't uh, place. People not like you. Like one of my one of my favorite formative experiences in my young Christian life was being roommates with two bald-headed, tattooed heroin addicts and a mafia member enforcer like a muscle and me it was the best thing ever because we were sort of we lived together and we loved each other and we would have never been friends in in out there right but we were brothers in here and helping each other through all kinds of different things and it was just transformative how does that work in your context in your experience in your life yeah i i, I want to answer this uh kind of uh off the first point too, um, part part of the thing that I think is is super important when you're you're trying to figure out, and and this is, I mean, not to exclude anyone, but especially for men, um, I think for me even it's very difficult to be vulnerable, and difficult to going back to what I was saying earlier about being a perfectionist and showing chinks in your armor or something that the world may say is not a good thing for you to say and get out there. And I think it, it is definitely one of those things that is a powerful, powerful thing that God uses 
if you can be vulnerable with people and helping them to understand where you've come from, what you've overcome, and what the seeds God has planted to you to get to another point. And I think it's, it's, it's very uh, uncommon um, for me in my earlier experience as I was growing up and being taught that, no, you never show this, you never show this. So becoming a Christian was absolutely a different experience for me because doing that was like, you know what, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling as a man being insecure. I'm struggling as a man and not being accomplished, not reaching um, a successful point in life, not having an accomplishment high enough to say, oh, he has done this, not taking care of my family, not providing. All of these things are very difficult things to actually be able to share that you're feeling. And I think one of those things is that you have to understand it's so, so important to share. I was um, reading this morning, uh, you know, with the with some of the ushers and some of the kids kingdom workers, Second uh, Corinthians twelve eight, and how uh, you know Jesus's grace is sufficient for you because His power is made perfect in weakness. And I think that weakness is actually is what makes us strong. And showing that weakness with another brother or another person and sharing your deepest and darkest fears, that's what brings people together. That's what people can relate to. They, we all have stories of where we've been in our life and where God has taken us down. So I kind of want to answer that. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Did you want to go? Or? Oh, yeah, I just... Um, so when we joined, we started coming about 18 months ago to this church. We had been looking for a long time. Um, for a church community, um, we, my husband and I both, um, you know, we both were raised. I was raised Catholic. He was raised you know, non-denominational. And we um, <clears throat> we'd been visiting different churches, and um, uh, just just didn't nothing was sitting right. And when we came here, we followed my daughter Teresa uh, here. It just we walked in, and it was just such a cross-section of Austin and we're like all right this like yeah you know you've got everybody here and it's just such a breath of fresh air to just see such a great cross-section of of the community and um you know we were I thought I was looking for um you know something that like I just needed my Sunday Jesus fix you know give me a good give me a good sermon and I'll be good for the week and then, you know, Christians, you know, call to act like every week. It was like, like a challenge, like a, I, I, this is what you got to do this week. And I'm like, oh, man, you know, I, I don't have I've got my family is here. And I got my kids and, you know, I don't I don't need to be doing life with these people. You know, I have time. And um, but guess what you, you do when you when you focus on um, uh, on the community suddenly it just makes everything clear and what's important. So, um, I know I'm kind of rambling, but, um, what, what are we about? Anyway, so I, I think just, <laughs> um, it's, it's taught me, um, I've learned to, to be more patient with, with my family, um, and uh and take the time so it takes more than the sunday jesus face it does is that what you're saying absolutely yeah i didn't really know that until <laughs> <laughs> until about 18 months ago um but uh yeah and and learning not you know i think another really important thing is is to not like gossip and talk about people and try to help you know others um you know without without judgment so anyway. fantastic thank you yeah. yeah i i think um as you're talking christian and i think one of the pa uh, passages that came to my mind is in acts 2 and so it's um it's the start of pentecost and before um really the meat of like peter's message begins like the uh, the narrator whoever's writing the book of acts if it's luke or someone else they mention like 15 6 17 different like countries that are present and then at the end of that sermon, um, when people get baptized and decide to follow Jesus and become disciples, one of the lines that they mention is that they had everything in common. Mm. And, and and I've always kind of like when I've sat down with like you know men wanting to study the Bible and just kind of like and 
I think very easily, it's very easy for me to kind of point out and for them to point out the differences between us and our stories and our, our journeys, where, where we've uh, come from in our faith background. But the only thing that matters is like, is our connection to Jesus. The connection to that, that I have with Jesus is more than enough to overcome the connection that like, I don't know if I can vibe with this brother or this sister, or I don't know if I'm, if my personality is too strong or, you know, and I think it's, it's a bit of a, it's an act of trust in, in the Holy Spirit. It's an act of, uh, of faith that, you know, I have the gifts that I can give to, to serve this person, or they have the gifts that they can to serve me, too. And it's messy, it's complicated, um, but I, I think it is, yeah, it's so, it just, it isn't the way we think it's supposed to work. And, you know, the kingdom always will turn your expectations and your ideals upside down when you come in and then it'll continue to do that too so i don't know if that makes sense or thank you yeah okay so here's my call to action thank you we're, we're not done yet we're going to transition sort of into preparing our hearts for communion in the fellowship in the coming weeks in the coming opportunities find someone who you wouldn't normally vibe with and say hi tell me more about yourself or let me tell you more Find someone who, anyone, who, if, you're, if you're sort of holding something back and you need help, and just say the, the magic words, I need help. Those are hard words to say, but they will change your life because you will be surprised most of the time someone will actually step in and help. And even if that person can't help you directly or as with high impact, they will actually find somebody and say, oh, I know, I know who can help you and bring you to them. But that's sort of the magic of, the, of it all. Do you, do you, do you want to add something, I, right? Yeah, Darla? I just had a quick thing to say. I think piggybacking what everyone has shared, just about um, having compassion and putting yourself in other people's shoes even when you don't understand. And I just have to like lift up tribe, but also um, specifically uh, Stevana and Jalisa come to mind because I remember in a situation that none of us had gone through before when Marcus had his injury, um, no one knew like what to do. I don't think many people in this room have dealt, maybe some with like strokes and stuff like that, but most people in here haven't had a friend go through that before. So what and did he go through for those who don't know? So for those who don't know, my husband Marcus had a spinal stroke which left him basically tetraplegic um, and he, he has since recovered and is now walking and standing. And, and dancing. It was in dancing. It's our, our miracle that God gave us. <laughs> um, but what was amazing in that time is that people did step into situations that they were totally unfamiliar with. And um, specifically, I think when people are in hard times, it's like, what do I even do? I have no idea. But I remember that cards were written by our friends over here who it was like when you feel sad when you feel happy when you feel this and just the intentionality and the thought that went behind that was so like it was so encouraging along with all the other things and um so i think sometimes just making a decision that hey i want to help with this i don't know how but i'm just making a decision to do it it, it goes far beyond anything that we could imagine so that's a great story. One of my favorites. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to read one more scripture, sort of to transition preparing our hearts for communion, but I would like to hear your voices again after this one. Uh, and the scripture, I think it's not in Romans, but it really completes the arch of what Paul is trying to describe here. Because if I, if I can remind you, the very first scripture is, um, be trans not, do not conform to the patterns of this world. You, what, what conventional wisdom will give you conventional results. If you want unconventional results, you need to seek other types of wisdom. So that's the beginning of the arches. Do not conform with how things are done when it comes to community. But then, and these steps that we just took are some of the dimensions of how you do things differently because your, your being, your identity, is tied with God and Jesus and the Bible. So this scripture in 1 Peter 2 is wonderful because it gives us the end of the ark. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, 
but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So there's a before and there's an after. And he, he, what, what the, the author of, of, Paul, of, of this scripture says about you is that you are a chosen person. You are a holy nation, collectively, right? Um, so what I want to hear is just some voices around that. How does that make you feel? How is that a reality to you? How does that propel you further in life? Uh, yeah, okay, I'll go. <laughs> um, I think it's, at least for myself, I became a Christian when I was 16 uh, in the teen ministry. I didn't grow up in our family of churches at all. And so I remember specifically in that moment, in that picture of my life, I felt very chosen because I came from the outside in to this family, to something that I, I would have claimed that I knew about, but really I was blind to um, as a part of my like, spiritual and religious pride growing up. And I think it, it's been easy to forget that specialness, to forget that I am chosen, that I, I have been brought from the outside into this, uh, this kingdom, this different world. And it, reading and hearing scriptures like this, it's a reminder of something that I easily forget is, is really I, I have no business being here. I have no business knowing Jesus, knowing anybody here, yeah. um, receiving any of this mercy. And instead of getting what I've deserved, um, I get the exact opposite. I get the, uh, that, that, that God characteristic of uh, he shows me what I deserve, what I should be receiving, and gives me the exact opposite of that. And that, that, rem that reminder, kind of thinking about communion, um, is what's really powerful and special. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I feel the same way. I'm a total pagan. I have no idea what, what I'm doing here and why am I even preaching, and, you know, uh, completely undeserved. Yeah, I, I think for me when I, you know, this passage always kind of strikes me because I always feel, I, it's very hard for me to feel like chosen. It's very hard for me to feel like how I'm the Lord's possession and, you know, treasured and valuable. Um, and... I would say uh, a, a really big help for me was just thinking of like um, just living, trying to experience one, like one of those things or parts of those things in certain moments in my life, one moment at a time. Um, a book that's been really kind of like on my mind lately has been um, A Community Called Atonement by Scott McKnight. And he breaks down this idea that atonement, if you break down the word phonetically, like at one moment, like Jesus redeemed you, he saved you. But for us, it's going to take a series of little moments in our lives to be convinced of that. And I, and I know I need a lot of convincing. And so like there are times where I don't feel chosen or special. So my goal for the day or in that, you know, when I can find that is like, let me try to find an experience of chosenness. Let me try to find an experience of of where I'm treasured and valued and I can be that part of that identity. And I think the longer I've been a, a disciple, um, it's gotten easier, but there's still moments though too where it doesn't feel like that. And so I need to kind of go back to the basics and to kind of live into that identity. And it's, uh, it's a battle, you know, it's a battle for that. And, um, but I think too, it's just to kind of call my, the, the voices in my head to, to live into the moments that God calls me. So when, thank you for sharing that. And I think it's, it's, even those words, they're such high words, you know, and what we forget oftentimes, what helps me is in a similar way when I don't feel, I don't feel very holy or chosen at times is that this, this expression is about ours collectively. It's not just me that I'm chosen. It's us that we're chosen. It's about the holy nation. That's what it is. Um, and it also sort of tells you the, like, what is the aftermath of being chosen? And it's that, so that we may declare praises of him who called us out of the darkness into the wonderful light, right? So can we comment on that before we pray for communion about, well, there's a reason for us to, to that we're all here, so we can declare praises. How does that look like, feel like, outside of this room on a Sunday, Jesus fix moment? 
um, for me, I mean, uh, having our having our small group every week and midweeks during the summer and um, uh, reading the Bible every day, um, listening to the Bible podcast, talking to my family about whatever scripture they've read or what they've listened to or books they've read. Um, but um, I think for me, um, this this journey I've been on, um, you know, since I got baptized last January is learning a lot just um, through the community, but also the knowledge that I will, I'm never going to be good enough and I'm never going to have all the answers. And that almost is a joy that there's never an end to the learning of the depth of God's love for you. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just so deep that, you know, you can keep looking and keep, keep learning and keep, um, searching and, and doing all those things, but it's, you're never going to get there. And there's almost a, a joy in that, that, you know, that it just goes so deep that you'll never really see the end of it. Never learn that, never learn everything you need to learn about it. That's beautiful. Thank you, Kelly. Uh, I, I, I get really excited about this scripture. Um, it's, it's exciting, but it's also sobering. And in relation to what your question is, um, I love the scripture because it allowed me to look at something and see a dream that I didn't think was possible in my life for what I've gone through and done and, and would not be called godly. <laughs> and to feel like you're part of a community where everybody's pulling the rope the same direction as opposed to pulling it yourself. What I get excited and how it, how it manifests itself in my life is passing on that dream to others and talking to my son mm. about, about, and he's five, mm-hmm. but getting excited about our Sabbath mm-hmm. and helping him learn about that so that, and, and sometime 10 years from now, he'll have my same zeal and same excitement for the dream of what is possible. I mean, this is why I actually, this is part of the reason I really like, and this is not a plug, but I really love talking to Brandon. And part of the reason I love talking to Brandon is that he does have this similar mentality of me where, I mean, he's talking about, well, let's pick up this whole theater and then we'll move it over there. And then after we do that, we can do this and then we'll go this direction. And he'll have the whole plan, but he's so full of zeal about dreams. And that's what I love about it is because I can live my week and I can be an example to my wife. I can be an example to my, my, my kid. I can be an example to my coworkers, my friends, and I can help to instill them a dream because there was a time where I didn't think my life was going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And now I have something that is a prized possession. It is a precious jewel. And I just want to pass that jewel on. So. All right. Wonderful. Any last words before we pray? Can we have Jim pray for everybody?